When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Two. And we are recording. All right. Yet again. With the great, the wonderful Lieutenant Colonel, Mr. Bernie Flowers. And uh, who uh, I was just given the uh, the ropes on. He had a napkin, so he didn't spill his coffee on himself. And I was telling him, you got to wear a dark shirt with a dark chair. Prop yeah. it upwards. I mean, you don't even know if I'm wearing pants. That's the whole beauty. Is you just got to go real sly in there, right? That's the thing. I yeah, mean, you don't think about that, man. No, you don't. But hey, it's the wild card. Keep the guests on their back foot. You got to establish dominance. It's time to right. I don't know. It's 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 part of the art. And uh, completely unrelated to this podcast, but as I told you this morning, it truly has nothing to do with this podcast. But I mean, I don't know who lives above me in this apartment complex, but someone. At either tore up an entire carpet or tried to build a treat for it with a hammer and nails this morning. My God in heaven. I, I mean, I, I might start shooting through my ceiling. I, <laughs> Don't I, do that. No, I will not do that. Obviously, that's a joke, and that does not represent Mr. Flowers' campaign. But Bernie, introduce yourself for anybody that listened to the last podcast. Sir, I am Bernie Flowers. I'm running for Congress in the 2nd District of Maryland. I got a long history in the United States military and DOD. And um, I saw some of the crazy things that we were spending money on and some of the crazy things we were doing. I found them to not be conducive to the um, to the American people's welfare. So I decided I'm going to stop what I'm doing after 30, 33 years, almost 34 years of DOD and federal service. And I'm uh, I think I can do a better job helping the American people by running for Congress and winning. And it wasn't 30. What was the exact? Amount of time it was thirty three years. How many months? How many weeks? How many days? Well, the the Air Force was uh, twenty years, seven months, and twenty three days, to be exact. And so, and then the uh, DOD was another thirteen years, thirteen and a half years. And um, the bottom line is, you know, I got a chance to work at the senior levels of government, and I had access to all the three letter agencies and DARPA and all these crazy places, and I started seeing like. I see a pattern here yeah. and this is not what I want to see um, in the future for the American people. And okay, I'm one guy, but one guy can make a difference. So here I am and you discovered me and I am thankful for it, sir. Absolutely. Well, I'm thankful for you. And the reason I asked you for the exact number of years, months, weeks, days is that's a man with attention to detail. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. That's how you know that. And, um, Man, and also a man after my heart talking about DARPA, and it's I know it's nothing you can tell me, but I mean, good lord, that is. What I can tell you is they got some scary capabilities, stuff that most people don't think about. They gather up all the smart weirdos and put them behind a fence and lock the door and let them create their sometimes uh, evil concoctions. And um, those concoctions are supposed to be spread against our enemies, not us. So I'll just leave that alone. There we go. Yeah. I mean, that's the right. The weapon systems of the, the vast weapon systems of the future and their uh, their nimble navigation, their ability to, like you said, take the geniuses, lock them behind a the door and 
give them a blank check and uh, born black programs. Hey, guys, concoct whatever you want to concoct. We know the Internet, the ARPANET. We don't know all the other stuff. And uh, like you said, to be used against enemies, what happens when those extrapolations come home and they start turning into social media algorithms and surveillance? The there you go. Gorgon stare, monitoring things in real time, gigapixel cameras, just constantly filming cities like Baltimore. Yeah. Gorgon stare was used over Baltimore in 2015. That which is. I, let's not talk about that. Well, no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine because it's in. It's in. It's in a it's publicly public available book. I got it. Uh, well, I'm surprised that you know about that. Not a lot of people do. It's one of my favorite books because it's so absurd. It's uh, it's uh, it's um, uh, Eye in the Sky, Rise of the Gorgon Stare: How Surveillance Technology Will Watch Us All by Arthur Hall and Michael on Audible. I listened to it in 2020. I remember when I listened to it, I was like, "How do I know this?" And I. I, I tell people about it all the time. And they're like, the hell are you talking about? I actually interviewed some guys from the Air Force early on in the podcast, like early 2020, and I was talking about Gorgon Stare. And these were guys that were involved with, you know, Air Force ISR. And one of them was still active. And I remember he was looking at me and he was just kind of staring at me. And probably how like, I'm looking at you right now. Yeah. But pulled up the book on Audible, bestseller. There Everything you go. I'm saying in there. It's from the bestseller, not from many. It's in the chapter. I've listened to the book before. They talk about it. Don't come at me. Carmen Arthur Hall and Michael. Nor deny. Yeah. I will. I, I know something's up because he won't respond to any of my emails. And everyone responds. Even Henry Kissinger will respond. He'll say no, but he will respond. But things like that, where they are turned on the American people, allegedly, especially in the wake of 9-11. Patriot, Patriot Act. Act. Yep. We're Patriot seeing Act. all those things. And, um, but to kind of pivot from that, because I can go down this rabbit hole with you and I will happily do it a million times. But, but I want to leave it before you leave it. Yeah. Remember, let me tell you one thing and then I'll shut up. I'm lying, but I'm just going to tell you that I'm going to shut up. Just follow me. There's such a thing as compartmentalization. Yeah. So there are a lot of people with all kinds of clearances and they work on widgets and they have no idea what their widget is going to be used for. And there might be somebody in the background who puts the widgets together to, to make them useful. But the average person lives up here uh, around a military base, goes as a civilian, does all this super secret uh, cryptology, whatever. And the idea is like, I have no idea what this is. Uh, is. I'm just going to the, my kid's baseball game. But they go to work behind the fence and they're doing some crazy physics project that nobody understands. And... Uh, most people are taught in this business, don't ask what your buddy's doing because you really don't want to know. I'm not talking about, um, you know, regular military guys, gun shooters, gun toters, that sort of stuff. There are some people that are doing some really, really exotic things. Mm -hmm. They are compartmentalized and they don't talk about, they're literally trained not to talk to their buddy, even at, oh, at yeah. lunch. So oh, yeah. that is how things occur. And we yeah. are taught not to ask questions. And um, unfortunately, I started asking questions. Yeah. And that's well, the, and that's the thing is, and on one hand, you do have the importance of compartmentalization, right? You don't want to have you don't want to have one department with everything because then all you need is for one uh, one mole, either a, a trader to the United States or a foreign asset to get in there and they have the keys to the kingdom. So on one hand, you want compartmentalization. The Titanic was supposed to be compartmentalized. That's what was yeah, so revolutionary about it. But look what happens when one thing manages to get into all the compartments. 
Yes, sir. The unsinkable sink. So on one hand, you need that. Like all things, be it weapons or classification protocols, that also means, you know, we're worried about traitors and we're worried about seditious actors within our own government and we're worried about foreign assets. But that doesn't really take into consideration what about someone who rises organically through the ranks and maybe they're not a they're not a good apple. And exactly. all of a sudden, and it happens every once in a while. We have uh, counter surveillance people. We have oh, yeah. all kinds of folks that are the watchers watching the watchers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, who is it? Alder James? Yeah. Yeah. That's one. Uh, yeah. Kim Philby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you have guys like James Jesus Angleton who just like they snoop. He snooped on the spooks. He spooked the yeah. spooks. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's. um. Yeah, and but that's that's kind of one of the the fascinating things to me about DARPA, and um, and we'll 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 get to the campaign in a second. But like, I had just read another book about. I've read a ton of books about DARPA, but I had read something like a couple months ago, and uh, I think it was the Imagineers were of War or by Sharon Sharon Weinberger, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked it because it wasn't. It was the first time I'd read a lot of DARPA books, and a lot of them kind of go over the same things. There's only so many projects that are declassified. Yeah. Um, Hers was the book that really shed light on stuff that I had never heard of before. And I think I'm a pretty big geek about this stuff. And one of them was in the 50s. And it was about the uh, like an early version of SDI, where we're going to use nuclear bombs to create basically nuclear shape charges, cassava howitzers, which would shoot the radiation into space. <laughs> and in order, but before they, oh, it's insane. But before they had the... I laugh because people actually think that they can control a nuclear reaction. Oh, I know. Well, that's and that's the kind of mad scientist beauty of it. Well, they re- they had realized that they couldn't, but they still wanted to produce the X-ray beam. Mm-hmm. And the only way to produce the energy was they were like, we we'd have thirty minutes heads up. We would need to be, be able to produce the energy in fifteen minutes to aim. And they're like, how could we possibly do that? They actually did the math and they realized that if they drained all of the Great Lakes in fifteen minutes. The amount of because it's just simple equation, right? It's just the weight of the water times through the the distance that it's traveling, and that's the that's the energy produced, right? Mass times velocity, momentum, and they or no force equals mass times acceleration, and they're like that would be enough energy that if we had built these like multiple Hoover dams and drained the entire Great Lakes in fifteen minutes and be able to pop. Now, obviously, they didn't build it, but part of the thing was is they actually looked at it, and when the math checked out. They actually started looking at like just how hard would it be to build like a hundred Hoover dams, and then eventually they were like, "Hey, you know what? Mutual sure destruction is kind of cheaper." So, but uh, <laughs> you got there's stuff floating through my head, and I'm like, I should shut up right now before uh, I start running off at the mouth. Don't get fired. Don't or you get, get fired. Don't get us. Don't get us both killed. Uh, I mean, some of this, all this stuff I say is from books on Audible. Full disclosure. So this is, but I mean, Co- Copper Canyon, like. A hypersonic craft in the 80s like under reagan that i mean oh just remember how long they kept the f-117 hidden oh yeah oh yeah i mean the sr-71 flew in 1964 that thing still yeah. looks alien it's top speed yeah. still technically classified yeah and uh the thing is they still have them out in the boneyard in, in arizona that thing could be operational in a week if you needed to oh yeah i mean you tell me there isn't some aurora craft out there bs don't i mean but so as not to let's get you to, let's go 
those are the domestic issues. So it's not to get us both killed. <laughs> um, we didn't really. No, again, everything I'm saying is on Audible. This is not. This is parallel construction. This is on. You go after the authors. Not. Not. We're just having a chat here. We're just two buddies. Um, so we really. Yeah. So last time we we kind of got into everything we're getting in right now, which obviously we both have a, a tendency to do because it's sexy. It's exciting. Yeah. But you also do have to sort of. You realistically, you you do kind of have to tame it down and to go after domestic issues right it's i mean it's it's sort of like the it's the political speech right and you're you're giving that jfk speech and that sounds great and it's rhetoric and we're gonna you know hope and change or we're gonna make america great again or we're gonna build back better and, yeah we're gonna do it what are we actually gonna do i don't know i'll see i gotta go to work tomorrow and it's, <laughs> it's, right it's that you see the motivational video and you're like i'm gonna get six pack abs and then after two days of working out you're like dude i just want a chick-fil-a breakfast biscuit this is so, hard. <laughs> exactly. So with that, though, like you and I, we can talk about DARPA. We can talk about all these sexy extrapolations. But ultimately, you do have to play your position on right. what you can change in Maryland. You can't immediately just go in and start, you know, slashing the the corrupted, compartmentalized DOD and national security apparatus. Like you, you realistically just cannot. I can't start. My first interview couldn't be you it couldn't be dr malone i had to build up to that and so you have to do a lot of groundwork that isn't necessarily sexy doesn't grab headlines but it's necessary what are the leading things that you actually want to go after like realistic no rhetoric like what are the realistic things you want to go after and do in maryland the first thing that i think our problem is is education and you know here we are i'm assuming you live out in the suburbs somewhere outside of Baltimore. And so do I. So the issue is you look at Baltimore and you've got a situation where kids are graduating from high school and are functionally illiterate. Um, 70, I think it's 70% of the black boys who graduate from high schools in Baltimore areas are functionally illiterate, which means they are unemployable. And so pretty much every week, I look at the weekend stats, and I think it was two weeks ago, there were 10 people that were shot in gun violence. The, the week before that, the weekend before that, same thing. These people are out uh, doing things that they probably shouldn't do that are illegal. And they're shooting each other with unregistered firearms. Uh, that's another issue. But I think in my case, education is what we should be working on. And if you're spending $18,000 per student every year, um, we should be able to get a better result than what we're getting. And um, I look around, I see these kids going into the what they call the school to prison pipeline. And, um, you know, those kids will go spend however many years in prison. They get out. They have no skills. They can't read. They can't contribute to society. And they go back into crime. And that is not good. And one of these days they're going to come looking for us out here in uh, Howard County, Anne Arundel County, you know, Carroll County, the surrounding greater Baltimore area. So it costs all that money to put these kids in um, in prison. You know, as I remember, the stats are somewhere about $60,000 a year to put somebody in prison. Um, it, take that money and educate some kids and make sure they can read. We're already spending that 18000 And school choice is my big thing. I mean, uh, most kids, I mean, you mentioned a, a, uh, that you went to a, a Catholic school, private Catholic school. Look at you. You know, you went to medical school. 
they do a good job uh, preparing our schools. I mean, our kids. Now, mind you, everybody can't go to a private Catholic school. But what if we converted some of these public schools into charter schools and made them so that, okay, we're monitoring your output. And if you do not succeed, we will replace you. That's the American way. And um, those are things that I believe in. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that I want to talk about. But the issue of the day is that I think this area could benefit from a change in educational policy, specifically in the Baltimore area. Um, I have a good friend, Giovanni Patterson, uh, who is a community activist. He and his buddies have literally filed a federal lawsuit against the uh, Baltimore County Schools, the Baltimore County School System, inner city Baltimore, because they're saying, hey, we're not delivering for the taxpayer. We're spending all this money and what's coming out is not an acceptable result. So I was with him and his lawyer as they filed a federal lawsuit and um, people are pissed off. People are getting upset. People are getting angry. Our taxes are going up and uh, we've got to get from our tax dollar every bit of productivity that's possible. So that's one issue. So after you, sir. How do you because I was I was very in. I didn't go to, I got into medical school. I decided not to go. I can't say I went. It was Um, a choice, but you got there. Yes, sir. But, but I, I mean, I do, I really do attribute that to the high school I went to. I mean, I went to, you know, private Catholic middle school, private Catholic high school into St. Pius the 10th Catholic high school in Atlanta. That, I mean, that place, I know you can count like on, I graduated with like a class of like, I don't know, whatever, like 250 from high school. It was about 250 each grade, thousand overall students. I mean, you can count on a handful how many students were, quote unquote, fuck ups. <laughs> the number, but no, no, but I mean, I genuinely mean that. Dude, I've heard that. Trust me, you don't offend me at all. But I don't know, but what I mean is like the number of, I can't go in and like say how many of my friends wanted and became doctors or lawyers or CPA because everyone succeeded. Everyone wanted to become a dentist or a nurse <laughs> or, and so it really is, it's easier to count the kids that screwed up. And now, Graduate, you know, so from where college, not it's not like everybody went to the University of Georgia. That's where I went. There are a lot of other smaller colleges, and 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 then a lot of kids went to different schools. But across the board, if I just go and take a minute and try to hunt one of them down, everyone is doing well. And I and not everyone that I went to school with at UGA did well. So I have to I have to rationally deduce that it was St. Pius the Tenth. That school, I, I genuinely believe. I mean, across the board, it's not, it cannot be a coincidence that it was just a bunch of good eggs. Like everyone did. My brother uh, was two years ahead of me. My oldest brother was four years ahead of me. My younger brother was one year behind me. I think they would all say the same thing. They know a handful of kids that, you know, really kind of shit the bed. Everyone else went on to succeed. That's not a coincidence. That is a direct product. And you're right. You Not everyone can go to a private Catholic school. I'm very cognizant of the fact that I grew up, I mean, in an upwardly mobile uh, nuclear family with parents that never divorced, you know, in the land of opportunity in a safe neighborhood. I had everything. There's nothing I ever I, I just went to a public school and a, a poor school system, but everything you just described happened to me in rural North Carolina. Yeah. And um, two parents that stayed together, death do you part. That's yeah. the issue right there. Yeah. And uh, they're willing, two parents are willing to sacrifice and do pretty much will put their children ahead of their own, you know, wishes. You can't have anything but success. 
I mean, truth, truthfully, I, I, I think my parents would have, would have rather died, gone broke, gone to jail or whatever than see us do anything remotely less than succeed. And that's another thing, you know, it's choose your parents wisely. It's like, I mean, I think on a side note, that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm so intent on trying to do something with this podcast that helps other people because the older I get, the more aware I am of just like, man, I really, I, I, I got a royal flush at birth. Like, I'm very aware of that. And I'm not. Well, you know something in your last, our last escapade together. So I posted on my website and this lady, um, we've been corresponding because the stats that um, I gave out, you know, um, she had never heard before about the federal government. And now we can do this for some of the local stuff and not just education. Dude, there's a lot of things we need to talk about. We're going to run out of time before no, we get. Well, like I said, man, you've got, an open, yeah, you've got an open invite here. So we can, we, so let's, so let's kind of, let's, let's put a, let's put a bow on, on the schools. What is exactly that you would have to do or that you could do uh, in Congress to enact charter schools? Like, cause like you said, not everyone can do a private Catholic school. Like I'm, I'm aware of that, right? We can't all sing kumbaya. I understand there are limitations right. and resources. What could you do to enact those? First of all, the first, have you ever heard of the House Freedom Caucus? I have a couple times. I'm not entirely sure what it is. They are the, the regular Republicans, the guys. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some people call them, well, I'm not going to use that word. They are the middle of the road. Let's do the right thing for middle class America Republicans. And that's kind of where I would go. Link up with those guys. And then we start cutting off the money. That's how you do it. Because when you uh, whenever something's going right or wrong or whatever, follow the money. Yeah. So, so we just basically as a congressman, get, gather with those folks and like, hey, you know, school board, Baltimore, Baltimore County, state of Maryland, um, state of whatever. Um, listen, the things that you've been doing have not been resulting in a good, fair deal for the American taxpayer. This spigot of money that we've been sending to you, that we've been taking from people, uh, it's about time for that to come to an end. And until you start taking accountable, taking into account what American people want and what the people of Baltimore want, what the people of Anne Arundel County, Howard County and such and such, even Loudoun County down in Virginia, uh, this money is going to stop. And there's plenty of it. I mean, as you remember, Mr. Biden seemed to have an, uh, you know, a, an ability to just send huge billions of dollars overseas. Why don't we just bring some of that money back home? Well, you're asking a question that's going to get us both killed because we both know what it is, is it's it's laundering money through NCOs in foreign countries under the guise of aid. But no, but really, yeah. How come not? Bring, so if I'm if I'm just attacking you. All right, let's just play devil's advocate. I'm attacking you. The first thing I'm going to do, the first soundbite I'm going to take is you saying, let's chop the money or let's turn off the money to the schools. How does that how does that lead to to charter schools? Well, there are organizations out here that actually operate charter schools and are actually doing a good job. I can't remember the name, but um, and I could probably look this up for you. But the issue of the day is there's several organizations that run successful schools in inner cities. I should have had this written down for you. I could send it to you. But there's several of them in New York. There's several of them. There's a couple of them in D.C. Everybody's not poor in Baltimore and D.C. Some the people that are doing well, you don't hear about them because they're busy doing well. They're working. So um, you give the money to the successful programs and the school boards that are not uh, successful. 
the American way is competition. And, um, you know, you you redistribute those people to other places now or reeducate them. But the idea is that there are people waiting right now to start charter schools. They may not be part of the typical traditional school system. But the issue of the day is if we can get these kids to read. You, anybody can teach someone to read if you know how to do it. And if you can teach these regular kids to read, um, then you can educate them. Send them over to the community college. We need welders. We need plumbers. We need people. And, and here's another thing. A lot of folks in the inner city don't want to leave. They don't want to move. For example, I had to move away from North Carolina to find my destiny. Well, um, up until well, at least when Trump was in office, we were uh, drilling oil. You know how much an oil uh, wildcatter makes? You know, these guys are some of them don't even graduate from high school and they're making $150,000 a year. Oh, you know, yeah. so, well, and, and there's other jobs out there, but you have to be willing to sometimes leave your comfort zone to go get it. And if the school system does not instill these young people with confidence, they'll just stay. They'll become part of the negative system. Lyndon Baines Johnson's great society and fail. LB, and I want to stop that. LBJ's quote that I can't say. Yeah, I can say, but I'm not going to say on your podcast. No, te- technically, you can say, if everybody listening is getting my drift, that I, the white guy, can't say the quote. And uh, well, Lieutenant Colonel Flowers can say the quote. Folks will, if you let me have my way, we'll have folks voting Democrat for the next 200 years. Yes, and I, I'm allowed to say folks. So go look it up. LBJ, Great Society, that's a quote, never gets brought up. Hard on sitting president. There you go. Oh, and since we're since we're talking about that, people don't realize that Joe Biden, beloved Joe, he wrote the 1994 crime bill that pretty much started this whole school to uh, school prison to prison pipeline. pipeline. But if you don't vote for him, you ain't black. You ain't black, which is it's just a it. You know, it's these are all things that it's cool. Thank God we uh, got banned from YouTube for having on Dr. McCullough because now I can talk about all this stuff and yeah. without getting censored for hate speech. But oh, I was about to say, what a slap in the face. You ain't black. I didn't know that. I was not aware. I was not aware that he was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Biden. Uh, do you remember the name Robert Byrd? Is that the KKK was, guy? Yeah, he was a senator in West yeah. Virginia. For Hillary, many, many years. Hillary Clinton's mentor. He's also Joe Biden's mentor. <laughs> Joe Biden spoke at his uh, at his eulogy. Matter of fact, uh, they were very close. He's his mentor. So, you know, all these people fall in together and they pat you on the back and say all these wonderful things. And, um, you know, when it's all said and done, smile in the face of regular people and plot their demise. So I'm just not a big fan of all this liberal stuff. I mean, I believe in meritocracies and I'm trying to find a quote for you that I think you'll appreciate. You may not have heard this before, but trust me, I think you'll like it. Here we go. And this is from Malcolm X, of all people. Oh, yeah, I think I know which one it is. Go for it. The Negro's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice. So think about that. They want everybody. And, and now I equate that to not just black people, but regular middle class people. Stay in your place. Don't attempt to rise 
You are part of the great unwashed proletariat, and we, the great uh, overseers, will monitor your progress and we will uh, control your your situation. You don't need to do any thinking. We are in control. Sounds like the great reset, doesn't it? The intelligentsia, the academic elite. We know what's best. We will guide it to the top. Don't you worry. Yes. Sounds like you've read 1984, but that's another story for another time. But I mean, we could really look at it as the these. I mean, to me, it really seems no different than drug dealing or like the you know the premise for the opium wars. Yes, you really want to control people. You know, it's uh, what did Sonny say in that movie? Um, uh, a Bronx Tale. You know, it's like I could have, I could either have people love me or fear me. Like I'll always take fear. Like yeah, you know, like you can always choose love later. Yeah. Yeah, do you want to control people because they agree with you? Or do you want to put them on a pipeline that you're stuck in LBJ's great society and that yeah. you'll be voting Democrat for the next 200 years because it's the only way you can survive in the system? So now with the, to clarify with the charter schools, so w- when you mean cut off money, you don't mean necessarily, and I might be wrong, you don't mean cut off money to education. You mean cut off money to the public schools and divert it to the organizations that run the charter schools. Exactly. Now, okay. in order to do something like that, you've got to have um, coordination with the state, mm-hmm. because once you give the money to the state, they're the ones who distributes the money to the, the counties and such and such. So, first of all, you know, we would have to build some sort of new infrastructure with the state. I don't think it would be that hard, but I do think is, you know, the people that are in charge right now are very, very liberal, very very liberal. And I'm going to bring some of this stuff up. But the issue of the day is that we just need a whole nother version of infrastructure. And, and you know, the, the, the Department of Education at the federal level, what do we need them for? Education should be run at the state level and, and they get their money from the taxes that are that are um, distributed from the federal government. But the idea of monitoring that, I don't think we've done a good job of that. And or better yet, Maybe intentionally we didn't do a good job because think about this. And I know this sounds very conspiratorial, but if you keep people poor and you got these private prisons who actually need labor in that, order to ma- maintain that's the first them. thing I thought when you said school to prison pipeline, I thought, well, yeah, yeah. private prison. Yeah. You want to keep them poor. We got we got that steady flow of capital, baby. There you. So you the federal government's paying, you know, sixty thousand dollars per per inmate. That's how, and then the inmates are actually making widgets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So now doing you're some, doing some labor, it. too. There you go. Doing and some so, labor for private corporations. They cleaned up prisoners, cleaned up a lot of the BP oil spill. Sure did. And uh, I don't know if you remember this when Kamala Harris was attorney general in, in <laughs> California and they had a big fire, wildfire. She kept some people regular, you know, regular dope smoking guys. Um, she kept them in prison longer they she elongated their sentences so she could so they could help put out forest fires that's wrong that's slavery. but anyway i'm getting excited no you, you have to get excited you have to well i think no but seriously you have to you have to sort of lean into these things where the spark is i could i can say you know i don't know anything about working for the dod like you do but i could say this is episode 768 of the podcast what i have learned with this is um there are you have an idea of what you should talk about and then you have the actual thing you talk, much like the free market. 
right? We yeah. have an idea of how things should be carried out. And then you get some private companies in there and you see how they they find the path of least resistance, the most profitable path, the most renewable path. I found with the podcast, you're sort of, you're kind of like cracking a safe. And when it starts to feel the little tension, you're like, there it is. There it is. So if we're talking about schools in a campaign, we probably both have an idea. We're going to hit the bullet points about the domestic issues in Baltimore. We're going to go through them. But if you start to hit a thing where there's a little the sparks are coming off and you're talking about Kamala and you're talking about Malcolm X, you're talking about private schools and private prisons in the pipeline. That's where the energy is. Yeah. And needle away at that. So if I were you just respectfully, I wouldn't say don't pull away from something because you're getting excited. That's where the magic is. That's where the, that's where the atomic bomb is. Well, we say in the military, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. There's a much simpler way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I get excited about this stuff. I was excited enough to quit my job because the issue of the day is one loser draw people like you, people like me, people are waking up. You're waking people up with your podcast. I'm waking people up with my yapping and and, 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 and internal anger. So we've got to do something. And people are starting to wake up. I don't know what's going on, but the people around me are pissed off. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't even bring this up. I'm going to let this. Howard County Schools, I could send you this. But, um, you know, the Board of Education, there's a certain book called Gender Queer. And I'm kind of changing the subject, but it's still on education. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's basically in the book is in the uh, Howard County um, High School Library and over in Wild Lake. And one of my friends discovered it and she sent me some experts excerpts from it. And it's literal. Homosexual. How to be a homosexual. Oh, yeah. No, I think my friend was telling me about this the other night. Yeah. The, the actual like books and and to, to, to cut you off or interrupt you. You know, it's not, it's not that, it's not that I'm against like, it's kind of like the, I had this discussion the other day and oftentimes, you know, like I'll, I've always said this, like, and a a guy I had on here actually kind of changed my mind. I don't care if someone's, this is what I've always said. I don't care if you're gay. I just don't want to know anything about it. And I always, and he made a good point. He goes, no, I agree with that. He goes, and guess what? If you're straight, I also don't want to hear about your sex. He goes, about any of it. He goes, I don't want to hear about your genitals. And I and I thought about that and I realized I could see the hottest girl I've ever seen. And if one of my friends started telling me intimate details, I'd be like, gross. A girl that I would like pine for. If a friend started telling me about what they did, I'd be like, dude, that's that's like a bodily act with fluids. And I don't want to hear it, man. Leave that. Leave, get away. I don't want to hear you poop. Like, get away from me. And that's, that's crass. So exactly. So that's kind of made me realize when people are like, they're trying to, you know, take away your ability to be gay. I'm like, no, I just, I don't think we should be teaching kids homosexual acts. I also don't think we should be teaching kids about heterosexual intercourse. They're kids. Kids, they should be innocent and allowed to be innocent. And allowed to, when they want, choose what they would like to be. And and so we're taking the parents out of education, or at least that's what they've been trying to do. We're busy as conservatives literally working so most of us aren't paying attention to the output of the various school boards and after talking to some of my contemporaries that are running for office in other countries i mean other counties down in virginia the whole loudon county thing and arundel county carroll county all around this beltway the school boards have been indoctrinated 
yeah. with sexuality. And, you know, that should be something that's taken care of in the home. And um, you don't want to indoctrinate a kid who is just, you know, trying to learn. How about teaching them how to write, read, and a little bit of history so they don't repeat the bad things that happen? Yeah. Instead, we're over here indoctrinating people in things that 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 make me cringe as a 56-year-old man. Yeah. But I didn't even know about this until about six months ago. And um, my good friend, my treasurer, campaign treasurer, Beth Lawson, she was literally on uh, WCBM, the local radio station here in Baltimore, talking about the very same issue. She runs this um, uh, We the People organization, and that is their big deal is um, not necessarily combating the, combating the school board, but holding them accountable. Because people, most people send their kids to school and they got no idea what they, what's being taught in school. And um, here in Howard County, here in Baltimore, we're spending big money to educate these school, these kids. We want to make sure that they're learning the basics of citizenship and how to function in a normal, plural society. So, yeah, we got we to gotta pay attention, all of us. Everybody can do something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mr. Flowers, tell everyone where to find you on your website and social media and stuff. I'm going to use the restroom. <laughs> well, you can go uh, BernieFlowers.com. That'll take you to my website and you'll see um, podcasts from Tommy and from other folks and uh, WCBM radio advertisement. And tonight um, I was interviewed on a television show. So uh, that will uh, be available on the website as well. And then um, also, um, if you go to my Facebook, you just type in Bernie Flowers for Congress and you'll see a whole lot of um, things of the activities that me and my friends have been doing to try to get basically a slate of Republicans in um, elected here. And, um, you know, there's several of us that are working together and have a similar idea about how things ought to be. And we're out every night campaigning. We're coordinating. We're working the um, the, uh, the the rails in the entire region to try to make sure that conservative values are headed up and uh, promulgated here in this area around the Beltway. And um, I just feel comfortable and very proud to work with these people. And um, you know, so that's where you can find me. And uh, you'll see me uh, all over the place. Just before you know it. Uh, uh, at a venue near you talking live about conservative values and the, the red wave that's coming. Cause there's a lot of people that are uh, upset and um, I'm one of them. Absolutely. Yes, um, sir. Um, but yeah, that seems to be another thing is, yeah, like you said, people getting involved and people who maybe weren't aware of like what exactly their schools were doing. Yeah. And understandably you're working and it's kind of just, been sort of a norm for the last 70 years to drop the kids off at school you can see how it sneaks up on you but there's definitely a problem when you go in and see what's being taught and then furthermore when you start going to home and school meetings and they bring the cops to kick you out and you're labeled as domestic terrorists by the fbi yeah yeah that you're over the target yeah yeah you're, yeah, you're, you're over the breeding ground you're over the uh the most uh this the brainwashing at the formative level that's mm-hmm. how you know you're over the target um, yeah. So I, I agree with you 100 percent. And, um, you know, um, the folks down in Loudoun County there are the ones that Loudoun County, Virginia, are the ones who just started this red wave. And the rest of us are following. 
I don't know if you're familiar with Governor Glenn Youngkin. I remember the race. Yeah, he's the, he just was elected governor uh, just recently, and he started out like me. He was just a guy who, in his case, happened to be wealthy, but he was just a guy who got pissed off and said, I got to do something about this indoctrination thing. And um, Winston Sears, his vice president, I'm sorry, lieutenant governor, um, first black female oh, yeah. governor in Virginia. I met her the other day. Matter of fact, last week at an event. Wonderful. Very, very smart woman, uh, former Marine. And uh, the two of them took Virginia by storm. And uh, they just decimated the Democrats who basically had all the money, all the support from Hillary Clinton. But the people were on Yunkin's side. Yeah. That that race did kind of give me hope that maybe elections, maybe free and fair elections aren't aren't a thing of the past, which yeah, I, I know I know I did fear after 20 speaking for myself, not for Mr. Flowers campaign. I know that's something that I didn't really feel comfortable with. It was the 2020 election. But yeah, moving forward from charter schools and what they're teaching in schools. What's another issue? Well, crime. Um, as I said before. Education leads to crime. When people can't make an honest living, they're going to go take it from somebody else. And um, it's a big problem, especially in inner cities. If you look at the inner cities all across the United States, Democratic-run inner cities, Chicago, New York, Baltimore, Atlanta, L.A., um, all over San Francisco, you know that they got poop in the streets in San Francisco? And that's not. Pelosi's district. I've interviewed, I mean, probably like 50 times my buddy Dale Comstock, retired Delta Force. And he's doing right. private security out there because these big these big stores are are paying him through the nose to just yeah. go do security because they're but he sends me pictures. It's disgusting. It's absolutely yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm. San Francisco used to be one of the beautiful most beautiful cities in the, in the entire world. And now their liberal policies have made it so regular people are moving out. I think they've lost 1% of their population, over 1% of their population last year. Los Angeles has lost, you know, several hundred thousand people, almost 1% of their population. People are moving out of big cities because they can't stand the crime and they can't stand the immorality of the people that are in charge. And, um, you know, in Chicago, you know, it's literally a war zone. More people are dying there than daily than in Iraq. And um, just recently, I think it was Kim Fox and her crew. There was a shootout at a, a county courthouse about two months ago. And um, after the cops came and solved everything or at least calmed everything down, they didn't they didn't prosecute anyone. They said it was mutual combat, like something out of the Middle Ages. Oh, what? Yeah, that's what I thought. So we got a moral problem when it comes to crime. People need to understand that you got to respect each other's property. I mean, think about this. And, and I know this is going to be a stretch, but go with me. Just the other day, I, I've never watched. Well, I hadn't watched the Oscars since I was a kid. No, God. But Will Smith feels justified in just hauling off because, you know, somebody said something about his wife. And next thing you know, he walks up and slaps Chris Rock across the face with the world watching. How entitled is that? And then it makes the black community look like, well, this is how black people solve their problems. No, I've never in my life hauled off and slapped anybody in the face. And I don't know if I ever will. Um, But in the case of Will Smith, somehow he felt justified to do that. And it's criminal. He should be in jail or he should have. Matter of fact, he stayed there and um, went and accepted his award for best actor. What kind of crap is that? 
So it just, uh, we got a moral problem. And um, back to the crime thing, you know, I can't solve everything, but what I would like to do, and I've talked to several buddies that are, you know, career police officers, and uh, I don't know what's happening. Maybe we're not connecting the federal government with the state government, but um, community policing is something that uh, is, that appeals to me. And uh, cops actually getting out of the car, stop walking around with these, you know, Judge Dredd black uniforms on and intimidating people because it looks like the cops are some sort of invading force. And as you, I don't know if you remember, but um, after so many years of the uh, second Gulf War, Mr. Obama decided to make uh, military grade equipment available to local police officers. Yeah. All the so, apps. Yeah. So how's it go? Um, everything, when you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to make the cops a little bit more friendlier to the people that they're policing. And, um, you know, I'm no expert in police procedures, but I got some of the best cops in the world as friends of mine, secret service agents, uh, state police kind of guys, local cops, uh, in my fraternity, um, we can work this out and we can try a little bit harder. And, um, as far as defunding the police, we should refund the police and give them more than they're making. I mean, the average cop that starts out in um, Baltimore County, you're starting out at $60,000 a year. Now, that may sound like a lot of money to some people, but you're asking someone to risk their lives every yeah. day. We lose a cop pretty much, let me guess, maybe every six months in that area. You're asking someone to lose their, to, to risk their life going out, upsetting their family, that sort of stuff. Um, I'm talking a lot, but I'm passionate about this. But let me tell you this one story. So I'm in Germany on active duty. I'm driving from Frankfurt to Spangdahl. I'm three o'clock in the morning because I dropped one of my buddies off at the airport uh, in Frankfurt. And I'm out on the A5, way out of line. I got lost. I'm Audubon. You know, you can drive as fast as you want, you know. So I'm over here rolling at 100 miles an hour at four o'clock in the morning. And then I get the blue light. And the police officer the Pulitzer pulls me over. He says in the perfect Queens English, hello, sir, you seem to be lost. He spoke better than me. And um, he sent me on my way, gave me directions to get back to the base. And it was wonderful. It was a wonderful interaction. But the takeaway, as I did some research, is in order to be a police officer, part of the nationalized police uh, officer, um, what they call a Pulitzer, you have to have a master's degree in social work. And um, this guy was so well-trained. Again, he probably, I know he spoke German. I know he spoke English. He probably spoke some other languages, but he treated me with respect. Yeah. He treated me so well. There was no anger. There was no, you know, you're an American out here in the middle of nowhere and you're lost. Let's throw him in jail. No, 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 no. And then on another situation, um, I was at Octo Oktoberfest. I'm sure you've heard of that. I was having a good time with my buddies, but we weren't doing anything wrong. But some other fellow got a little rowdy. Instead of grabbing him and snatching him, what they did is surrounded him. Four or five cops came up to the gentleman and privately, quietly escorted him to the back of a place where nobody could see. And they gave him an attitude adjustment. They didn't put him in jail. When he got done, he was in the best of behavior. But they handled the situation without escalating. And somehow or other, we've taught our police officers to escalate everything. We've got to learn to de-escalate. 
Now, do you want to put a social worker out on the streets of Baltimore? I don't know if that worked out too well. Hell no. But do you want to put a an eight, 19 year old, 20 year old cop with very, very little training um, in a situation out in Baltimore with a gun? I mean, sometimes that doesn't work out so well. So I know the, the military training that I've had uh, with weapons and 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 basically how to de-escalate situations, we could lose, use a little bit more of that. But I am no expert, but I'm willing to listen to the experts. And, you know, we got to start there. That's how I see things as uh, how we can make things a little bit better. And we need to fund the cops. Yeah. So so refunding the cops, but not in the sense of they need more MRAPs and and, no. uh, and and drones and no. rather and at the same time it's not the idyllic they should be social workers because it's like hey dude at, at the end of the day there are some people that it doesn't matter how de-escalating you are they're just there to they're there to fuck shit up and take names yeah. and they're not going back to jail but right. there is that middle ground where it's like it's not it's not starry-eyed we're gonna send social workers but it's also not beat it with a hammer it's take the hammer and maybe give it the the social I guess yeah. the mastery skills. Find the middle path, as Buddha once said. Yeah. I mean, right. I worked I worked at a bar in Ocean City, Maryland, summer 2011, Secrets, which is like... I've been there. Oh, yeah. Massive bar. People, for people that like haven't been to it, it's not a bar. It's, it's basically like a daytime resort. It it's is... A destination. If you go to Ocean City, you got to go to Secrets. It is a... It, I mean, like 5,000 people will go in a night. Like yeah. That's... I worked at a bar in college to be three or four security at night uh, at secrets. You got a hundred on staff. You're all connected with walkie talkies. Like people yeah. don't understand. It's not a bar. It has its own beach. It has its own jet skis. Yeah. They have their own lifeguards. They have their own radio tower and radio station yeah. hotel at brewery and like 16 bars within the grounds and restaurants. It's not normal. Get rowdy. It's nuts. Yeah. Working there really like, taught me the art of like de-escalation in college it was a lot easier you'd see one frat guy get too drunk you'd have four bouncers just go throw him out you don't need to be a polite doesn't matter what are you going to do we're throwing you out that we have a monopoly in the bars and if anyone else has a problem with it you can go too no one wants to get thrown out all the girls are in there it was kind of simple right secrets it's different it's not a homogenous group of college kids it's everyone it's college kids it's guys who just retired. It's dudes yeah. who just got off work. It's yep. girls coming down to go crazy. It's doctors, lawyers. It's everybody. Everybody. You really had to learn how to like de-escalate. And not only that, like the owner didn't want it escalated. He was he didn't no. want fights in there. So, so there's this weird like there was an art where like you just have to go up and like. You would just have to talk to someone and be like, hey, man, listen, I know that guy's an asshole. Like, I get it. But like, hey, man, my boss is an asshole, too. Like, so I got to like talk to you. I don't want to throw you at yo, 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 yo. I always tell people, like, the second you start having conflict, it's the, the whether the bouncer or the drunk guy, the, there is a level of fatalism. Something yeah. gears have started moving and, and a, a series of events have taken place now that will not they, stop. When I yeah. when I let go of the water bottle, it's fallen. There's right. events are taking place that are woven into reality and right. or you could go up and you wouldn't have to throw them out. You could I mean, you just make up a lie. You'd be like, listen, man, I hate my boss more than you hate my boss. But like, listen, dude, I want to get drunk, too. I see her. Yeah, she's hot as shit. Like, 
but hey like you can't do this i know it's fucking stupid but like you, you gotta yeah. do this you gotta do that and hey man I'll, you know I'll, I'll look out for you guys later tonight. i'll make sure they don't come back. and then you go and say the same thing to the other guy doesn't matter it's, it's a white lie who gives a shit they both and i could get the most belligerent roided out tattooed from head to toe like guidos you could get them to completely appreciate it, bro appreciate and you could and then you'd see someone who just started working the other the night the, the day prior and their first thing is to go grab them by the shirt no nah. what do you expect when they start throwing fists like and i'm not saying it's they're in the right you technically can't i technically had the right of way to go grab them by the shirt but you yeah. don't do that you you maneuver it's a, it's not football it's basketball it's finesse you yes. go in and and i and now granted that's a very limited example i'm not a police officer that was a bar i get that however i do see where that could be a, a and and granted we were also there in numbers so if the finesse ever didn't work you had no problem having right. six guys on them and you you could like like that but I feel like that could definitely be applicable to policing. More funding doesn't mean more body armor, but no. it also doesn't mean a bunch of social workers with clipboards. No, it's the middle. Uh, there has middle to be path. a balance. There has to be a balance. And you know, years ago, I don't know if they. Well, actually, I was told they don't have this anymore. They used to have what called the Police Athletic League, and that has been, you know, basically people would get out and play basketball and softball and and that sort of thing, and work out their frustrations. And, um, you know, it was famous. But for some reason, I believe that's been taken away. When I talk to people in inner city Baltimore, which I get over there uh, every once in a while, they don't really have an outlet. And more importantly, you know, the concept of finding a softball field in the middle of Baltimore, no, that's, yeah, I haven't seen many of them. And, um, you know, everything's got cages and all this sort of stuff. But the idea is just let the police interface a little bit more with the people. Uh, when I was a kid back in rural North Carolina, and I know this isn't a really good example, but the police officer, uh, I remember his first name, I won't use it, he's still alive, but he had no gun. Hmm. You know, the old Andy Griffith show where the, the cop had no gun? Well, it where I come from, that was how things were. He knew every family, every family knew him. You'd see him in the street, he had a police officer's uniform, he was the chief of police, and there was only one of them for 5,000 people. And um, it was an almost idyllic upbringing. People worked. They did what they needed to do. Um, if there was a problem, you know, they would call the chief and he would come and solve it. But the concept of, you know, walking around with a 38, uh, very rarely did I ever see him with a gun. And um, he knew everybody's family. And if, there were, if somebody got out of line, all he did was call up their mom and it was over. Yeah. But, but you can't do that in the city. I was about to say at the same time that that, that can't necessarily be extrapolated to to ball again. Yeah, my experience at at secrets yeah. can't can't be applied uh, to Harlem, right? Like, and like I have to be aware of that. I can't stick my head in the sand and think that it's all just going to be you know happy go lucky. It's not. That's and, not and the reality. Times, the times have changed. We're dealing with you know there are people in this world at the elite level who actually are making money off of people being poor. As I said before, this whole school to school to prison pipeline, um, if they don't keep those prison roles filled, then they got to lay people off. They got to lay off guards. And then there there's actually, um, you know, production that is handled from the prison. So um, 
this is a very odd system. And personally, I think that we should not be making money off of prisoners. It's just terrible. Yeah. We should be we should be teaching these young men uh, a way to make a living. We should be educating the ones that want an education. Um, anybody that comes out of prison after a year that doesn't have a high school diploma, that means that the system has failed, mm. in my opinion. So is there another, is there an, even like another sort of a uh, front to attack it on? What about things like nonviolent drug possession? Like how many people have been turned, you know, it's like, it's like the argument. Also, let's take the argument for people that are against the second amendment. You yeah. Know? And what do people say who are for it? Well, first of all, it's mine and, you know, over my dead body, but it's also, yeah. if you just sign a law that makes guns illegal, you are automatic. You've just instantly turned a bunch of law abiding citizens into criminals. Criminals. And, it's, um, Agree. Carry on, because I think yeah. we're on the same page here. So when I look at something like drug use, my logic is is like, like I'm a I'm a good person, right? I I I do my podcast. I pay my rent on time. I pay my taxes. I hold the door. I think I'm a good person. If I and I don't, but if I decided to I want to start smoking pot, like I smoked pot in high uh, in college, straight A student, I got into medical school. I also smoked pot. I was in Georgia. If I'd ever been caught with pot, I probably wouldn't have gotten into medical school. But it was something that I, as an adult, would do when I was finished with my studying. If I didn't have a lot of work the next day, I'd enjoy some weed and I'd go to bed. That I'm an adult in the privacy of my own home. Just like whether you want a girl or you want a guy or you want both or whatever you want, go for it. it. Don't teach the, yeah, don't teach the kids, but yeah. go for it. I view it as the same thing. I'm like, whether you want to have a beer or a cigarette, or you want to smoke a fatty, like you've done your thing. You're in your home. That's none of my business. And when we turn it illegal, we are turning otherwise law abiding citizens into criminals. How about the war on drugs? How's that yeah. worked since Nixon? We've spent trillion. billions of dollars criminalizing people. And um, the bottom line is, you know, I'm more libertarian when it comes to things like that. To each, his own. If I've never smoked a joint in my entire life, but I think that if somebody's in their own home enjoying whatever they're enjoying, hey, do your thing as long as you don't hurt anyone else. Yes. And as long as you're not on the, out on the street driving, hey, it's all good. And um, furthermore, there are some benefits to hemp. I mean, industrial hemp, um, that is, you could make a lot of products out of industrial hemp. Wherever you see plastic, uh, that some of this plastic, like, for example, I'm looking around for some our phones, those phones and the plastic in those phones are going to stay in some landfill for 300 years. If you took that plastic on that phone and made it from industrial hemp, that would be biodegradable and it would just go into a landfill and just go away. And in the meantime, um, you know, there's, you know, manufacturing that could be done. I mean, we could convert some of our farms to making actual hemp that could be used for products right here in the United States. So, yeah, some of that, um, a, a lot of people don't seem to understand there's a difference between marijuana-grade hemp and industrial-grade hemp, but the issue is it's all hemp. And if you go back to the turn of the century, back in uh, 1900 or so, um, there's a story about uh-huh. standard uh-huh. oil. Yeah, and They decided, hey, let's take some of these oil products and um, use them to make plastics. And now these plastics are invading every part of our our society, and they're even in our bodies. So 
if we want things to change, um, first of all, let's let's start with some of this uh, manufacturing of plastics. I know we're jumping away from education, but the issue today is let people do as long as you're not harming someone else. Carry on what you're doing. Go yeah. into your hotel room as long as you're not harming someone else. If you want to smoke some weed, do your thing. Yeah, do your thing. And yeah. I'm not going to stop you. And, and a police officer's time could be wasted, could be used better uh, than going off chasing people for drugs. I mean, there are some drugs that just should not be used. I mean, some of the fentanyl and cocaine and all that sort of stuff. Got it. Crack. Terrible. But marijuana? Really? See, I'd have to go one step further. I'd have to respectfully disagree and say, if you're an adult, go for I personally. I don't think I'd have the willpower to not do those drugs. Some of the guys I knew in college who are now physicians, lawyers, they yeah, enjoyed drug hits. Yeah. Well, they know. I mean, but they had the ability to, to them. It was just another thing that they could do on the weekends. They would spice up their weekends with a little Coke. And then they, you know, they, once they went to med school, they just turned it off like a spigot. I look at yeah. it and I'm like, I'm like, that's not for me. And my first, my first uh, reflex is to say that should be illegal. That's too much. But I think if you're an adult and you can handle it, who, who the hell am I to say? Who the hell am I to say you can't have it? I mean, you, you're allowed to go own an AR-15 and 10,000 rounds. You, how, do you not, how are you not going to go shoot up, the, shoot up a school? Because I'm a rational adult and I own a gun. Leave me alone. There so that's, that's kind of how I view it. And like one step further is I look at it as like not only that, but like hemp, not to mention all the parachutes the U.S. used in World War II were made out of hemp. But I look at other things like cocaine or opiates or psychedelics. Man, that's a whole private industry that instead yeah. of using tax money to fight against, you would not only be spending, you would not only be not spending that money on the war on drugs, you would be making a massive profit from the taxes of these drug companies. Yeah. And one step further, like all things, like all, all products, there are regulations. You would know what it is. So you'd yeah. have no reason to go buy a bag of what you think is Coke. And then someone finds you with blue lips on the floor because there was a uh, there was a micro dose of fentanyl in there. Why would you do that when you could just go to CVS and be like, no, nah, man, I just want I went and got my when I go buy beer. I'm not worried about there being fentanyl in the beer. You know, yeah. I'm like, dude, I, just, I went and got some like Budweiser. I, I'm not. Yeah. So it's that thing is where, again, cocaine, whereas we use never smoke the joint. I've never done coke. I have no intention of ever doing coke. No. However, if you're an adult and without like alcohol, you're not getting in the car. You're not intoxicated in public. You're not fighting someone on the front lawn. If you go home at the end of your day and be it a, a tumbler of whiskey or a fat line of cocaine, you're an adult. And I, I truly believe that you're an adult. Go do what you want. I don't think I don't think anyone's responsible for you if you OD. I don't think you're owed rehab. But go for it. And let somebody go make a billion dollars off of it. And if if it's not a sustainable thing, then the company will fail. I'm very much so go do what you want. Because if we don't, we're just gonna have the same thing. We're now gonna have cops arresting guys who would otherwise be law abiding citizens who just enjoy some coke and a woman. Like you're both consenting adults. Go for it. It's not for me, but we can't police everything. No, you there can't. are things that need to be policed. We need to take the illegality out of things. 
And uh, like, for example, back in the um, prohibition days, people started making bathtub gin and people were dying. Because of the methanol. Yeah. Yeah. People were dying. And then folks racing through the woods of, you know, I don't know if you know, but, you know, I come from NASCAR country. Well, the reason NASCAR was started was because all bootleggers. Yeah. Oh, then we got a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. That's, a bunch of bunch of criminals. Yeah, down in Georgia. That's all yeah. that all that all my buddies used to where they all lived out in like out in Watt County, Georgia. You'd go out there and they oh yeah, you hear stories about oh yeah, the bootleggers used to go up here back in like the yeah, back in the teens and that's 20s. how NASCAR started. Yeah, you gotta drive fast. Yeah, <laughs> you literally you get drive. away from the revenuers. Exactly. And yes. well, not only that, let's look at like a less light example. Let's look at Al Capone. Yeah. Let's look at let's let's look at his his monstrosity of an empire and the people that died under his grip. Yes. Where was he making his money? When you make it illegal, you are providing a demand because no one's ever gonna stop. When you say this is illegal, well, you know, it's the it's the same logic of this is a gun free zone. Good luck. Good oh, luck. thank God, there's a sign. Hey, guess what? It was also illegal to hijack planes. That happened yeah. on 9-11. So it's illegal, right? It's illegal. So when I look at that, when we so when we make something illegal, be it be it opiates, be it cocaine, be it weed, all you're doing is providing someone who doesn't give a shit, like the Sinaloa cartel, to go, there's money in America. These guys aren't going to stop. They're not going to stop doing it. And I personally, I don't care if they go kill someone. I don't have any idyllic values like Tommy or like Bernie. I don't give a shit. They're paying me in hundreds, whatever. It's yours. I really don't care. And if there's some fentanyl in there, I don't give a shit. Sorry, drop dead. Not my problem. Make it a company. Make it a company responsible for the purity of their product. We got to take the illegality and the crime out of the drug business. And I think that would take a lot out. I don't necessarily agree with the can- the cocaine, but we can agree sure. to disagree on that. Sure. But the idea is we got to take the criminality out of crime. I mean, these guys out in Baltimore and open air drug markets. Uh, do you remember a couple of months ago, a little old lady going to church and she gets stabbed, you know? Now, mind you, the, the person who did it was a little crazy, but the, but the drug thing is not good for regular abiding law-abiding citizens trying to go about their day. And, um, you know, people are moving out of Baltimore and the cities in droves and the crime that is involved is what's pushing people away. And uh, everybody can't afford to move out. And no American, no American should have to live in a situation where they're afraid to walk outside in their own dang gone neighborhood. So, um, and these big companies know, they do. And uh, people are going to smoke weed as again, I've never smoked a joint in my life, but uh, I was subject to drug tests the whole time I was in DOD and I never failed one. But oh, yeah. the idea is that if people want to do things that are questionable, go close the door in your house or your apartment or wherever you live. Do it with whatever you wish to do. Harm no one. Do no harm. And um, I'm a kind of a libertarian in that world. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we could do a lot by, you know, there's a lot of laws on the books. For example, you make me think that are basically, you know, gone to, they need to be removed. You know, we're, we're, we're over here living by anachronistic laws and our society has, has, uh, has changed and evolved and the law needs to evolve with our society. 
And uh, as you said before, the whole Al Capone example is a perfect example. He took, okay, you can't have this. Let's find the thing that, that the government says we can't have, and we're going to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. And we got to stop that because it's hurting the regular average American citizen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, when I, people are like, well, if you make these drugs legal, people are going to start going crazy. My logic is no, the crazy people are going to continue to go crazy. Alcohol is yeah. legal. Some people can't handle it. There was a while okay. while I, there, there was a couple of years where I couldn't handle it. I got out of it. Some people just yeah. go, I can't touch it anymore. That's mm-hmm. on them. But these are people who couldn't handle it. M- McDonald's isn't illegal. Some no. people just can't handle fast food and they weigh a yeah. thousand pounds. It's sad, but we don't ban it for everyone because the yeah. reality is, is someone would just start selling underground hamburgers. Like that's just yes, what it would. is. So, and we're wasting blood and treasure on enforcing laws like this. Remove all of those things, kind of sift it out, and then leave the real criminals who are the ones that are just doing criminal acts. Yeah. Go arrest them. Yeah. I mean, just recently, and here we're off on another subject, but MS-13 is here. Oh, yeah. They murdered someone in Montgomery County, took the body, separated it, and left part of the body part here in Howard County. Can I verify that? Well, this is something I heard from one of my my um, law enforcement buddies, but you didn't make the paper and never will. But they're here and we know they're here. And um, I would like to see law enforcement focusing on real bad people like that, because uh, what I saw coming across the border, they're making a lot of money off doing whatever illegal thing that we are unable to to manufacture or one one whenever unable to regulate. They're bringing it and we got to stop it. And it seems like the people in charge don't necessarily care. They, they see regular people, as we say, the proletariat as a permanent underclass that should be shunned. And those are my people and I'm not going to stand for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now. With something like to tie it back in. Are there situations where you do need to use something like like a Gorgon stare? Are there places that are so far gone? And again, basing this on the book on Audible, are there times where, well, let's not even use that. Let's just use a simpler analogy, an MRAP. Are there cases where the social working aspect, the getting rid of the illegality of things, all of these things, getting making community policing, are there times when it's like, we've done everything else and this person, it, th- these groups of people are still, they're still acting up. Is that a justification for force, overwhelming force? We got a lot of police um, jurisdictions, overlapping police jurisdictions. We got, you know, local police, state police, secret service, county police, uh, you know, the sheriffs, uh, you know, just a lot of police jurisdictions. Everyone doesn't need an MRAP. You know, we could centralize a lot of things. And, um, you know, on the other hand, a police officer behind some steel is probably going to live a lot longer than a police officer who's not behind some steel. So we need to give them some autonomy in these decisions, but we don't need every police department having its own MRAP and 50 caliber machine gun. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. these guys are smart. They're busy. And and I will say a lot of times the politicians get involved and, um, and I don't know that any police officers actually ask for this excess uh, military equipment. 
Uh, it was just something Obama came up with, from what I understand. And, um, you know, next thing you know, every police officer, every police jurisdiction is getting some crazy uh, MRAP or whatever. But a lot of this stuff, um, we need to let the police determine what it is they need and try to fund them and, and talk to them instead of some politician saying, hey, we're bringing this excess equipment from from the United States Army and you're going to take it whether you like. And by the way, it's free, you know, not cool, because, yeah. as I said before, when you got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, though. I, I would like one of those MRAPs. <laughs> I would park one in my garage if I could get away with it, but oh, the gas my. prices would just be too high. I don't think you could fit it in your garage. Those things are monsters. Those things make Humvees yeah. look like toy cars. Oh, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, you're bringing back some memories, but when the gas is free, it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, but when you got to actually pay for that diesel in that thing, changes the uh, parameters just a little bit. What about a Tesla MRAP? Is there such a thing? I don't know, but I feel like Elon might want to tap into the defense contracts. Trust um, me, he probably already has. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, NRO, NSA, no, maybe not NSA, NRO, National Geospatial. He's not, Bernie's going to die. I, please don't kill Bernie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody's going to die. It's just a matter of when. Oh, yeah. There Bernie, you go. Bernie knows nothing. He can neither confirm nor deny. Um, so we've gone over, we've gone over schooling. We've gone over crime. Any other big ones we want to touch on? Well, um, let me think. Have you heard about this redistricting? No. Well, what's going on is one of the Maryland is the arguably the most gerrymandered state in the entire union. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you've looked at the redistricting maps, but there is a federal lawsuit by Judicial Watch against the state of Maryland and the, you know, the governor is actually involved and we are right in the middle of a redistricting fight. So District 2, where I sit right now, stands in northern Anne Arundel County, eastern Baltimore County, eastern Baltimore. But if the governor signs the current map that's being in Post well, basically been presented to him. District two will move to um, what's the name of that place? Um, basically, mostly Carroll County and all the way up to the state, all the way up to the Pennsylvania state line. So it's changing the district, and um, the way the maps are written right now, they very much favor Democrats. And um, I don't want to just keep hammering on them, but the truth is that they have controlled the legislature for quite some time. And they basically set things up to where they'll just continue to win. Now, the gentleman that I'm hoping to run against in the after the primary, Dutch Rupersberger, 20 years in 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 um in office, 75 years old, Steny Hoyer, uh, down in um, you know, to the south of us. I think he's been in office 30 years. These people are folks, um, Sarbane, same thing in District Three. These people have been in office for 30 some odd years. Um Jamie Raskin, these people are, you never hear their names on national television. All you hear about is AOC and Nancy Pelosi. But these guys are like one, two, three, four in the Senate. I mean, in, in the um, in the very high ranking congressmen. And they control a lot. And they basically set, carved up Maryland to basically where they're, they can't get them out of, off, out of office. And so this redistrict, the redistricting effort is a chance to make things a little bit more fair for those who might challenge them. And um, it would put my opponent from Dundalk, 
and northern and, and eastern Baltimore, where he grew up, into Carroll County, where it's, it's very, very Republican heavy. And um, I don't know if the governor will sign this legislation. I don't know if it will go through. But right now we got a federal judge that says the current system is unsat and it will be changed. So um, I don't have a map in front of me. Uh, maybe I can read some of this stuff or find it for you quickly. But uh, sure. that is hot right now. And it will definitely affect my race no matter what. Sure. Do you have the map? I'm going to look for it, and uh, but I'd have to forward it to you so folks <clears throat> can see it. But I'll just type it up. But uh, redistricting map, Maryland. Uh, let's see how quick I am at typing. Not very quick. You're quite all there, right. Redistricting. There we go. 2022. And um, eh, la, 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 la. There it is. Let's back off. Because it's the way it is right now, it's uh, it's hard to see. <clears throat> but as uh, House approves, redrawn, redistricts map. Now, how can I give this to you? How can I let you see it? Um, let me see. Uh, share screen. Uh, there should be an option that says share screen. I see it. If you just click on that, it will show me your screen. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to click on it and I'm going to hit share. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Maryland matters. Yeah. And I'm going to make this bigger so I can see it, but yeah, it's a little crooked, but um, if you see district two, Mm -hmm. and if you see my cursor um, as things stand right now, here's Howard County and my district would be as it is, as it stands right now, uh, right where my cursor is. Can you see my cursor moving? Mm-hmm. Over seven and three. Yeah. Well, all of this stuff is like an earthquake happened and redid everything. And um, it's all according to, you know, the, the federal judge saying things have been unfair here for a very, very long time. So instead of me campaigning in this area, I'd be campaigning way up in here. And that's fine. You know, it's very, very conservative up there. And I will chase Mr. Ruppersberger wherever he goes. But uh, I don't think he's very happy campaigning up here instead of down here. And then um, I'm looking for Baltimore. Here's Anne Arundel County and all that sort of stuff. But this is a big deal. Matter of fact, um, here's the the headline. The Maryland General Assembly is racing to approve a new congressional district map after a judge in Anne Arundel County Circuit Court rejected the legislative Democrats' previous redistricting plan last week. Maryland Matters um, illustration. And so... This is, you know, breaking news and it's hot right now. So I encourage anybody who's interested, please, please look at Maryland Matters and uh, check it out. And it'll tell you everything is going on far better than I can. So what, so that happened very this recently. Is happening, yeah, like like this week, this map just came mm-hmm. out like I think like yesterday or the day before. And uh, as I understand, the governor is supposed to either accept or reject it today. So by tomorrow, you know, by this evening, we will have uh, the governor's decision whether he's going to accept it or not. And, um, you know, it's been unfair for a long time. And that is why of the eight districts in our congressional districts in Maryland, we have only one Republican congressman. Got it. It's been unfair unfair for a long time. And so this is going to work. You think, will this work in your favor? Personally, I believe it will. I believe it will. Um, you know, I'm ready for all comers, no matter what. But 
my opponent has been, you know, sitting there happy and comfortable for 20 years in his district where he was born. And um, he's got now his upset, his apple cart will be upset. And if I can get through the primary, it's going to be a fair race. Yeah, he's got the name recognition, but I got the shoe leather and I'm willing to use it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So um, we'll do like a. Uh... We'll do like 10 more minutes. So I kind of wanted to jump and we'll do more domestic issues next time. But on the kind of the final 10 minutes, what are some things that you can do on, because you will be running for U- U.S. Congress. Mm-hmm. What are some national issues you want to touch on and how much, I, I guess this is perhaps my own, uh, the limitations of my own knowledge. What all would you be involved in nationally? Well, the biggest thing that I would like to talk about is the Biden agenda. Um, since he's been in office, our gas prices have gone up. The food prices have gone up. He said himself that expect food shortages. I don't know if anybody's paying attention to the national news outside of the mainstream media, but um, he's not doing us any favors. And our government has, um, as I said before in our last podcast, they're over here funding um, research laboratories. I'm not going to say weapons research laboratories because there's a difference. And I, and if you don't mind, I'm going to get out of the share screen so you can yeah, see Yeah, sorry. Me. Yeah, I was, I was trying to figure out how to close it. Yeah, I'm going to close it for you. In fact, stop think, share. There you yeah, go. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah, no, uh, funding the weapons labs in, in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, we should not be in that business. That's like poking a bear. Literally poking a bear. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, Vladimir Putin is a terrible human being, as I said before, but we don't need to aggravate him by putting, you know, weapons, weapons research facilities in his backyard. And um, I don't know if you know anything about the topography or the, the basically the map of the Ukraine. He wants the eastern see the eastern part of Ukraine, Crimea, and 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 a lot of those people over there are Russian speakers. I experienced it. You know, he wants the eastern part so that he can have a, a, a warm water port for his Navy. And, um, you know, am I saying that we should give it up? That's a tough, that's a tough call, but poking the bear is not a good way to do things. Um, you know, it's bad over there. Yes. I feel terrible for the Ukrainian people. Um, but we've got to do better than calling the man a maniac and calling them a murderer on, on mainstream TV. Cause He's going to get pissed off just like we're pissed off. And just as you were saying in your 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 analogy about secrets, we don't want to escalate the situation. We want to de-escalate the situation. So as a national level politician, the Congress should be holding him accountable for his words. And we're not doing that. We're letting him get away. And uh, the last speech he gave, he said basically to the members of the 82nd Airborne that, hey, we're going into Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what kind of leader is that? Yeah. Somebody's got to hold him accountable for his words. And uh, that's what the Congress's job is. Somebody should be censoring him or maybe impeaching him. Yeah. You know, that's some of the things that I would like to engage in. Hey, we got three more years of this guy. And um, past him, we got, if, if we impeach him, we got Kamala Harris. So, um, those are two people that I don't have a whole lot of faith in, and I would love to get into Congress and bring those people to heal. Because right now, with the Congress being uh, under Democratic control and the they've pretty basically got a, a carte blanche to do whatever the heck they want, and uh, I don't think what they want is good for the American people. 
Back to the whole gas thing, we're sitting here with 500 years worth of gas and oil in the United States, in the borders of the United States, in Alaska, in Texas. I mentioned, you know, North and South Dakota. Um, we're canceling gas pipelines. That's got to stop. We should be thinking about Joe Sixpack and making sure he can get to work or she can get to work. But it seems like the people in Congress don't seem to care about regular folks. And I give a damn about regular folks because I am regular folks. Yeah. It's on one hand, on one hand, you can't be in isolation. That's just to play both sides of the issue. On one hand, you can't be in isolation. That's right. World War One, and then the sinking of the Lusitania and the Zimmerman, tel- Zimmerman Telegram. And then we went in. World War Two. we don't want any part of this. We'll do Lend-Lease with Britain. And then eventually it dawns on us. It's like, hey, man, it's coming for us. Pearl Harbor. All right, now yeah. we're in. So on one hand, you do have to learn from history and go, we can't be can't be isolationist. And then you view Korea, Vietnam, and Iraq, and you go, we also can't be occupiers, nation builders. And for 70 years. And for right now, you might argue, I'm just thinking of, you know, how would you argue this on the other side? You would argue this isn't a Korea or an Iraq or a Vietnam. This is more of a World War One, World War Two, where we have to put our foot down now. Sure. Okay. However, it completely changes the the equation when we're funding bioweapons labs there. If Russia just went went on into Ukraine, I wouldn't be comfortable with saying he just wants a warm water port. I, I would be looking at it more as like a World War One, World War Two, and going, we've learned from this before. You, we can, yeah. you cannot appease. You have to put your foot down now. And as violent as it will be, it will be more violent if we don't. This is different. This is different. This is their Cuban missile. Yeah, exactly. And they got nuclear weapons. Yeah, this isn't Iraq. No. They have sandals and AKs. No. This is a, although it's, although it's not the USSR anymore, they're also not a pushover. No. And we've been pushing for them to, for Ukraine to join NATO for a long time. And, um, you know, back to the Cuban, Cuban missile a crisis thing. I mean, to me, I liken it to that. I think you see the same analogy. Yeah. Um, we are not blameless here. We've no. got smart people in the Congress and in the Senate who should be restraining Mr. Biden's gaffes and this whole thing with him standing in front of the 82nd Airborne saying you're going into Iraq. I mean, I'm sorry, you're going into the Ukraine is totally, totally unsat. That is poking the bear in my world. And um, that went out to the whole world. I mean, I got friends in Australia that sent me emails of like, what is your guy doing? Yeah. What is he doing? Is he trying to start World War Three? Well, saying Putin cannot stay in power. That's regime change. We shouldn't be in that business. Yeah. What? We just we just got over a 20 year war where we accomplished nothing but a bunch of dead people on both sides. So do we want to start this again? And listen, if you really just want to go, you know, cold, hard reality. You can talk shit about regime change and you and use the CIA to, you know, do some wet works when you're toppling. And I'm not it's not justifying, but just in the reality is that when you're toppling third world nations in South America or Africa or the Middle East, you can kind and I don't agree with it, but you can kind of talk shit when you're talking down when you're carrying a big 21st century stick and you're talking shit to some some backwards, you know, uh, opium farmers. Right. You don't you can't talk shit to someone with a nuclear you can't you can't talk about regime change in the UK. 
No. France has nuclear weapons. Germany, you, you just can't do yeah. it. Right. These people are not stupid. Um, they have capabilities that rival our own. Mm-hmm. And not only them, but imagine the Russians and the Chinese double up. We can't carry out a two-front war. No, it's this isn't this isn't the 1990s. We can't take on the, the rest of the world with one hand tied behind our back anymore. If there's no. a Russo-Sino coalition, maybe the U.S. and NATO could take them. But then at that point, it's like, take what? What are we? Who, who's going to control the radioactive ember? Yeah. And, and, and another thing, let's back this up a little bit. Just recently, a few weeks ago, right around the time Ukraine started, I mean, when we shut down our oil pipeline. And so you got. We're literally buying a billion dollars of of Russian oil every day, and we're literally funding Putin's war. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, you know we're killing ourselves here, and 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 Mr. Biden signed off on that. Did he not realize what he was doing? You know, we're we're talking out of one side of our mouth and doing something else. And what I see from Biden and the Biden administration is just disappointing, and they need to be brought to heel. And the only way to do that is for uh, conservatives to get into Congress and stop him at every turn. And I'm hoping that I will be the person that can help in that effort. Hell yeah. And on that note, Mr. Flowers, let's wrap this one up. I'll text you. We'll schedule a third one. As always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, my man. And you are the man. You are the man. You are. And I will try to keep you out of Guantanamo. And same with myself. Hey, talking, I expect talking. you to come get me if I go... <laughs> If you're in Guantanamo, I'm in there too, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be telling the 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 secret FISA court. I'm I'm gonna be saying it's on an Audible book. It's in the public. It is gonna be no dice. So that's my defense. It's on Audible. Not go after Bezos. Not me. I didn't do it. They did this. The bottom line is, people like you and me. There's a lot of us out here, and we ain't backing down. It's time. Yeah. Hell yeah, Mr. Flowers. I'll text this to you when it's up. I've got a couple more podcasts today, so it's not going to be up immediately, but it will be up today, and uh, we'll schedule another one. Outstanding, sir. I look forward to talking to you again. Very much so. Thank you so much. God bless. Take care, everybody.